Welcome in to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Nate Ryan, Dustin Long, Dale Jarrett. If you weren't excited for Nashville Super Speedway coming up, NASCAR and NBC in a couple weeks, that hopefully got you excited. I love hearing guitars. I love hearing <laughs> music, Nas- Nashville style. So, Dustin, are you pumped for NBC's debut? Hey, we don't need an off weekend. Let's just go racing. <laughs> I'm ready to go to Nashville right now. You know, who needs this break? Let's just go. Let's go, go, go. Keep racing. I, I like this. <laughs> DJ, are yeah, you, you excited know, for uh, Nashville? Been, uh, things have been so exciting uh, that it, every week I get more excited about our opportunity that's in front of us with the great racing, uh, the new names that we've seen there, the new teams, uh, just so much going on. And we know that Nashville is going to be the perfect spot to kick all of this off. And uh, what a better way to go to Nashville than having our uh, winner uh, from this past weekend uh, going to be having sponsorship uh, from there. And this is a team that, uh, with Trackhouse Racing, that you know is setting up to, to be a part uh, or have their uh, organization there and, and have a big presence in Nashville. So uh, couldn't have been a better scenario for us to get started. Yeah, you mentioned it there, DJ. Daniel Suarez gets his first Cup Series victory, as we see right here. Uh, the Taco Pinata celebration in Sonoma, and Trackhouse Racing has a huge presence in Nashville. Of course, that's where Justin Marks, the co-owner of the team, is located. The team has a presence there as well, has the Tootsie sponsorship, Dustin. So really, the timing couldn't be better for NASCAR, Daniel Suarez, and NASCAR and NBC kicking off at Nashville. Yeah, perfect time for that organization with what it's done and for Daniel Suarez with what he's done. I think one of the things that's been really interesting about, about Daniel is just the, the, the challenges that he's faced uh, you know, to get to this point, not winning a cup race until his 195th career start. And I thought one of the interesting things he talked about, he says, look, they've had some struggles and been kind of knocked down here lately. But he said, look, I went and talked to the team and said, look, bad luck doesn't happen forever. It stops. But what happens is tough people keep working through things. And we're tough people, and we're going to make get through this, and look what happens. You know, ripping the pinata apart, getting his first career victory onto Nashville, where it'll be a, essentially a, you know, kind of a home race for track house racing with so much there. Uh, a big weekend for them and, and a great way to kick off this portion of uh, the NBC's portion of the schedule. Yeah, you're right, Dustin. Perseverance has certainly been a big part of the Daniel Suarez story. And even though a very busy week, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's in Mexico this week uh, back in his home country, getting a much-needed rest uh, during the off week here for NASCAR, but still doing some media because it's now a busy week with his first win. Uh, and he talked yesterday with uh, some of us, Daniel Suarez did, and he had some interesting things to say about the future at Trackhouse Racing. He's in a contract year, and here's what Daniel Suarez had to say when he talked to us yesterday. I would say that with Trackhouse, he just felt very good since the beginning, and I felt support and trust Honestly, like I have never felt before in the Cup Series, so it was it was it was pretty amazing to feel that when it comes to when it comes to the contract stuff. Actually, uh, I started with Rahal with a couple year uh, contract, and, and, and a month ago uh, we started talking about contract again to you know just to get a new contract for for the next. I don't know, a year or two or whatever that may be. And honestly, the first thing came to my mouth uh, a month ago when, when when we started those conversations was I don't want to even think I don't want to even talk about this right now. I don't care. I'm, my focus was somewhere else uh, that is already to win races. So you know, this is my home. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. So uh, I'm not I'm not too worried about it uh, about contract today, tomorrow, next month, in a couple of months. I feel like. We're in a very, very good place. Uh, probably the best place I ever been uh, with a team. So I'm 100% sure things are going to work out. 
The thoughts of Daniel Suarez after getting his first win and uh, for Trackhouse Racing. And now we welcome in Ty Norris from Trackhouse Racing. Ty, obviously a big week, three wins now for this team this year uh, in its first season with two cars. And we just heard Daniel Suarez talking about no one better than you to know uh, what the situation is there. He said that you guys have been talking contract about a month ago. Uh, what's, what's the future hold for Daniel Suarez? Because I know he's a, been a big part of Trackhouse's foundation with him and Travis Mack, the crew chief there. Uh, what can you tell us about Daniel Suarez's future and uh, how things are going there at Trackhouse? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. And also thank you for starting it out with a softball question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we actually had a conversation with Gustavo Arenas, who was his, uh, his manager. We had a, uh, a conversation with him back in Martinsville. I was driving to Martinsville, called him up, and I said, hey, let's get away ahead of this thing. Uh, Justin and I had a, a lot of uh, very healthy conversations about it. We, we, we love Daniel. We love what he's doing. We love what's happening with the company. So I, um, I, I spent some time with Gustavo and Charlotte during the Coke 600. We actually came to um, uh, a verbal handshake to, to um, you know, where we were going to be. There's just a few cleanup things that were – sort of unknowns back in 2020 when we first started putting this together that are a little bit more known now. And uh, so uh, so I think Daniel's right. It's, it's I would say it's a 100% chance that Daniel Suarez is re-signed with us next year. He's not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. Um, uh, we, we love him. We love what he's done. That wins, that wins Sunday, uh, quite honestly, uh, has no bearing on whether or not we were going to extend him. We were already in that conversation. But what it did for for him was just completely um, give him the confidence that you know he's in a he's in a fantastic spot. He's where he needs to be. This is his home, and we wanted to keep it his home. Hey Ty, obviously uh, the success with Daniel's been big, but you also had it with Ross Chastain winning two races this year, getting the first win for the organization. But here lately. Uh, you know, Ross has had some instances with, with some other the veteran drivers and, and kind of had those issues come up, uh, particularly at, at St. Louis. And, and I'm just curious, what do you and, and Justin Marks do with the, in talking with, with Ross? Because, look, the, his, his success, a lot of it is based on his aggressiveness and how he has raced to get to this level. So how do you temper that or how do you encourage that uh, at this point as he's racing now for, for more wins and potentially a championship later this year? Uh, you know, I... This is this may sound worse than it's going to come across, but we told him after the race, the only thing that's unacceptable is that he changes. Um, and, and what I mean by that is he changes from um, the, the the work he puts in and how he he fights for what he needs. And, uh, you know, but the, the respect piece on the racetrack, that's a driver to driver deal. That's not a that's not a something that an owner needs to come down and say this or that. Um the drivers police themselves, and um, you're showing the three wide coming off of turn four. Well, he was in the middle of four wide, three laps, you know, two, two restarts before that. And if someone made a mistake there, then we'd be talking about him. So, you know, I, I don't expect him to, um, to dilute his aggression. I expect him to work to an agreement with the drivers on how he wants to race and be raced and, um, and then live with that. So he's... Um, you know, he got he, he's been moved. He, he's unfortunately been in a situation where he's moved other people. And so I don't know that uh, 
you know, we're, we're not necessarily going to police it as much as we just say, listen, we love him. We love his aggressions. We love what he's doing. You and the drivers, and, and he did it. He spent a lot of time with Denny. He spent a lot of time with Chase um, and, and Michael McDowell, all the people that after St. Louis that he had, that he felt he needed to uh, have some conversations with, and he did. And, um, and, and I think it ultimately ended up in a really good spot with him and the other drivers. Hey, Ty, uh, we obviously go back a long way, buddy. I've got yeah. a quick question, then I'll get to my real question. But So you said you had a handshake deal. Now that he's got a win, are you going to be okay with that other zero that they add whenever they come back with the written contract? <laughs> no. I, when he hears things he doesn't like, he always says, me don't speak English. And so if he throws that zero at me, we'll, we'll say the same thing to him. <laughs> me don't speak Spanish or English. <laughs> we don't speak Denaro. <laughs> back a long way. Uh, you started, you, you've seen this sport from a lot of different sides, uh, more than, than a lot of other people, not necessarily from the competition side, but you were with R.J. Reynolds through their best times of, of the sport, everything that you uh, did there. Uh, then you went to DEI. So, so much going on there. Um, now that you're in this part uh, of the sport, how's that helped you in developing and helped to develop Trackhouse into what we all see now? I think the highest compliment I've ever been paid in my 56 years is from Justin Marks when he told me, he says, I think I have the best version of you. And um, and I don't know that I could have ever asked someone to say anything nicer to me. Um, you know, DJ, we've we've known each other for 25 or 30 years. And, um, you know, I, I've had my own uh, personal and professional um, uh, mistakes and, and run-ins and things that I've done, you know, just because I always thought I was doing the right thing and I thought that I had to be in control of everything. And it's amazing what happens when you ultimately re, uh, are figure out that um, you never have to be the smartest person in the, the room. You have to have 130 employees at Trackhouse. I tell them all the time, every single one of you are better at your job than I would ever be. So I have to respect what you're doing, empower you to do your job and then support you in any way that we can from uh, from management. And, uh, you know, Justin is all about empowerment. Empowerment. He's all about uh, giving people um, the freedoms to do their jobs. And, and uh, you know, these lessons that I've learned over my 31, 32 years in the sport have been just that. Um, it, ha it does come down to believing in one another and giving each other the, the feeling of, of contribution, and that's what we've done at Trackhouse. So, Ty, this is a call-in show, as you know. I don't know if the questions will get any easier from fans, but that is where we're going next with uh, some questions for you on NASCAR American Motor Mouse, and we're going to get started with James is on the line. James, go ahead with your question for Ty Norris. Hey, Ty. Uh, congratulations on your big win with uh, Daniel at Sonoma on Sunday. Uh, my question is that uh, with Daniel and uh, Ross Chastain both getting their first wins on a road course, how much confidence do you have at Trackhouse Racing with both cars going into the playoffs now? Well, great question. Thanks for calling in. But, um, you know, the, the, we have two things. We, we, we continue to say we got to stay hungry and we have to stay humble. And so uh, when we start talk, thinking playoffs and talking playoffs, we, uh, we're, we're in loose sight of these next 10 weeks that we need to sort of continue to prepare uh, for for a run. And, um uh, we've had a lot of success. Honestly, when we went to our first test in December at Charlotte Motor Speedway, um, 
Ross ran, they ran a 10 lap race and Ross was in the car and I thought we had the wrong engine spacer on it. He was so much faster. He was so fast. And I, he, it was sort of remarkable. And then the next time Daniel got in the car, the same thing happened. And, and we were just like, wow, we actually really have something here. We have something very special here. And, and then when we uh, went to the road course at, at Coda, we uh, saw both cars were very capable. Both drivers are exceptionally talented. So, yeah, when we go to road courses, we feel good. When we go to intermediates, we feel incredible. Um, we feel great at speedways. Um, I say our short track program uh, leaves a little left to be worked on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like when you look at the races, the first few races in the, in the playoffs, uh, we, we've had some success at, um, all three of the first round tracks and, um, it gives us confidence to go there to at least be relevant and competitive. And, uh, as you know, these races play out in odd ways, fuel mileage restarts or whatever. So, uh, you know, nothing could be predicted, but I certainly think we'll be competitive. Ty, uh, one of the original ideas for this organization was to maybe move its shop to Nashville. And obviously, Justin's talking about that's not going to happen. You guys really like what you've got situated now at your shops in Concord, North Carolina. But obviously, with Justin being in the Nashville area, you being there, uh, the sponsorship being there, what types of things are you guys still looking to do to kind of make Nashville kind of your team or, you know, you guys the team for the city of Nashville? What are things going to people see out of you guys in Nashville? That's actually a great question. So what we've tried to do is start looking at the entertainment industry to see if there are areas in the entertainment industry where we can uh, start to ex ex expand the brand. And, uh, you know, certainly we, we've gained a tremendous amount of relationships here in town, uh, you know, whether it be uh, with artists or we with uh, um, management companies or, or uh, record labels and so these, that sort of extension is something that's certainly on the table. Um, you know, Justin has, is an investor in the Nashville Grand Prix, uh, the IndyCar Grand Prix that's coming up here in uh, August. And uh, so, yeah, there's just um, there are a lot of things that happen in this town that we are very interested in staying as a part of and, and looking at extensions. Uh, uh, Thursday night, uh, when we get to Nashville, the race week, we're going to go to Tootsie's and have a little uh, industry get-together. Uh, you guys are invited. Um, and and uh, I think there's a Trackhouse beer. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, who knows what else we're going to get into, but, uh, but you guys can have a Trackhouse beer if you want one. Hey, Ty, I know in talking to people uh, in the industry, that your two drivers are two of the hardest working. Uh, and I'm talking about not just maybe from a physical standpoint, but, but doing all of their homework, their research. Uh, this has to be uh, something that really has helped uh, make this team what it is to this point. Plus, uh, whenever your employees see the two drivers working this hard, uh, it has to get a lot more out of them. Is that a feeling uh, or something that Probably not that you required, but you found that you had something uh, with these two drivers like that. Uh, actually, it's a great observation, DJ. We, uh, when we went to the shop when we, uh, when when Justin purchased the assets of Chip Ganassi Racing, Chip was was um, uh, was nice enough to let me set up shop in there for five months, and I set up and I was in their front conference room for for weeks and weeks and. And the employees that came through there that were wanting to stay, their, their, their one request is that um, everyone be committed to work as hard as they're working so that their work did not go, um, you know, for, without, without a reward. So, 
in every scenario, in every situation, whether it was driver, engineer, mechanic, pit crew guy, um, I repeated that story. And, and it came from our car chief, uh, Dave Farrow, on the, on the one car. Um, that is one of the most remarkable human beings I've ever seen, a very special talent. And um, his work is, is really unparalleled from anything I've seen. And I just told him, I said, if you help me pull, keep these guys together, help me keep the key folks together, I promise you, your work won't go without reward and that we will expect that from each each and every employee, including our drivers. And so they see it, they recognize it, and it was intentional. And I do believe that um, um, that that when they see their drivers working at 11 o'clock and falling asleep at their computer, looking at Sims, um, I called Daniel one night on a Friday night. It was like 730 or something like that. And Julia said he's he's rewatching a race right now. And I was like, you know, just the guys, they, they're eating up with it. And it shows and, and it helps those people in the shop just work even that much harder uh, for them. Yeah, no question. Work hard, but uh, play hard as well there, Ty. So I appreciate that invitation. I will be in Nashville next Thursday and to take you up on that. I will see you at Tootsie's. Hey, listen, we're in the play uh, hard yeah. city. So, <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I, you know, I, as I've aged to touch, I, I don't go go crazy as like I used to. But um, <laughs> but I will tell you, I still go when I feel like you know, I, you go on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, you can go to Kid Rocks, you can go to Tootsie's, you can stay there till three in the morning, and and you walk around, and you're like, this is a Tuesday. But uh, but yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> crazy. It's a good times. Well, you, you guys certainly will still have a lot to celebrate next Thursday, and uh, great that you're able to join us here to talk about it. So thanks again for being here, Ty. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I cannot wait for NBC to show up. Jeff Pinky and the guys are going to come over and speak to some of our sponsors, and I just can't uh, can't wait to see you guys uh, take over here next week. Feeling is mutual. That's Ty Norris, president of Trackhouse Racing. And, uh, DJ, I want to bring you into this discussion a little bit because, you know, we were talking there about the, the fact that both of these drivers, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, now have wins, but no one's got more than two wins like Chastain does. Uh, what do you feel like this impact has where you have four first-time winners, you have only Ross Chastain, William Byron, Denny Hamlin with multiple victories. In terms of playoff points, we're looking at the leaderboard right now. I mean, Chastain and Byron and Logano lead the field now with 13 playoff points. This is dramatically different than what we've seen in past years. Isn't that crazy that, that we're looking at this at this point in time when we're talking about 10 more races before the playoffs start? You know, think back just the probably the last four to five years, there's been a dominant driver or two uh, that had well over 50 playoff points going into the playoffs. And here we're talking about numbers at 13. So what this is going to do, I think that makes it so much more interesting. But what's going to happen is when we get into the playoffs now, remember last year everybody saying, well, Kyle Larson has to, you know, he's got an easy way in uh, to the Final Four there. And we said that about Kevin Harvick in years past, uh, Martin Truex Jr. doing doing that same thing. Uh, That's not going to happen this year. So when we start the playoffs and you get – to that first round, if you have one bad race, you find yourself in a lot of trouble because you don't have a, a safety net there uh, to, to fall back on. So this is going to require drivers and teams to be on their game every single week. And now you're also throwing in the mix drivers and teams, crew chiefs, crews, 
that haven't ever been in the playoffs before and the added pressure to perform each and every week there. So I, this is just getting so much more interesting. We talk about the season and the parity and, and uh, the, the opportunity. I mean, heck, we might even end up with 16 winners and, and not have anybody in on points. So I, I'm just so looking forward to see how these 10 races play out and, and exactly what happens. And then when we start the playoffs again, every week is a pressure-packed situation for these teams and drivers. Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic, DJ, and we thank you for joining us to talk about it here. When we come back, we'll be talking to a couple of guys who've been talking about this a lot on SiriusXM NASCAR Raider. That's Pete Pistoni, Mike Bagley, joining us here on NASCAR America Motormouths when we come back. Certainly been a memorable first 16 races as we take here another look at the playoff leaderboard. Ross Chastain, William Byron, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, as we just talked about with DJ, the only guys with two wins. Really seems wide open heading into the NASCAR and NBC push to the playoffs here. These next 10 races that set up the final 10-race championship dash. And joining us now to talk about the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season, the hosts of the Morning Drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will be with us for the next half hour here on NASCAR American Motormouths. It's Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni. So, guys, we just had Ty Norris of Trackhouse Racing join us in segment one. Obviously, he's been part of the the biggest story i think of the year so let, let's just get started with uh start with pete both of you guys' thoughts starting with pete on on track house and what it what a story that's been this season well if anybody said at the beginning of the year nate that track house racing would have three wins by the time we got to june 15th i don't even think justin marks or ty norse would have said that that by far is the biggest story of the first 16 races this year for me two from chastain one from Suarez, and I think from, you know, the reaction that Bagman and I get on the morning drive, I think the fans are really plugging into this story as well because this is what a lot of race fans want, a lot of sports fans want, story they didn't expect, the underdog story, guys that have never won before, and I think it's amazing. And I think Justin Marks, I was trying to figure this out the other day, has there been another owner, guys, that has come into NASCAR in a, such a short period of time and made such an impact? like Justin Marks and Trackhouse Racing. You maybe argue Tony Stewart when he took over Stewart Haas Racing, but I think Justin Marks is definitely in the team photo. That's been a great story this year. Well, one of the things that we've been following as well, coming into the season, like what impact would the new car make? You know, we hit hitting the reset button. We heard that from the garage. We heard that from the industry. What team would jump in there? Because we heard a lot of, well, we're going to level the playing field with this new car. Now, we had talked to a lot of people off the ledge that when you hear that, all of a sudden a... 30th place car is going to become, you know, the winner of multiple races. But what I do think this has done is this provided opportunity. And I think Justin Marks, through the culture there at Trackhouse, through Ross Chastain, through Daniel Suarez, and all that they put together, and all the people like Ty and everybody part of the process, they put together a solid team. Yes, you need good parts and pieces. You need fast race cars. You need good race car drivers. But you also need good mechanics and pit crew members and all that. And I think that when you look at everything that's put together collectively, that's what's spelling the success for Trackhouse. I have been surprised by it. I know Pete has. Some of our listeners have been as well. But it's also refreshing to see that you do have these new faces in Victory Lane and these new faces that are consistently in the top five and the top ten more times than they're not this year. Well, I'll tell you what, one thing that's really impressed me about track house racing is you look at how the season started. You go back to the clash of the Coliseum. Ross Chastain didn't even advance. 
to the to the final to that, that that final race. And then in the Daytona 500, he's involved in a crash and finishes last. So what a horrible way to start the season. But I'll tell you what. One thing that interests me is something you said, Pete. You used the word underdog with Trackhouse Racing. And I guess the question is, should we even look at, at Trackhouse Racing as an underdog at this point? I mean, it's you know three wins. They've got the same amount as Joe Gibbs Racing as, as Team Penske. Only Hendrick Motorsports has more wins as an organization this season with five. And you think about, okay, it's Hendrick, Joe Gibbs Racing, Team Penske, and then Trackhouse Racing. And Trackhouse Racing is doing it with two guys that had not won a race before this year. But again, the idea of them being an underdog, I don't even think you call them an underdog anymore. And, and maybe, maybe you start calling them a favorite at this point. Yeah, and on the flip side, guys, of all of the success with Trackhouse having its two cars in the playoffs, you've got some guys who are, I think are really nervous. There's a lot of tension around some veterans who are outside the cut line. The biggest one, obviously, is Kevin Harvick. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I was listening to the show this morning, uh, Mike and Pete, and certainly there were some calls about Kevin Harvick and the, the pit stop that cost him at Sonoma. He minced no words about that, both on the radio and afterwards in terms of blasting uh, the performance of his pit crew. What do you guys make, Pete, of uh, you know what we're seeing here from Kevin Harvick? Do you feel like he's feeling that pressure a little bit that we're hearing those pit crew criticisms that we hadn't really heard from him in recent years? Yeah, Nate. I think that I think the collar is getting tighter. There's no doubt about it. You know, and to be fair, I thought there was some of these incremental gains that I talk about a lot from that four team going up until what, well, quite quite frankly, Gateway at St. Louis when they had the brake rotor brake late in the race and Kevin hit the wall. And then this past week, he, he, you know, he still had a good finish at Sonoma, but I think Kevin felt like he had a chance to win that race. And I think at this stage of his career and at this stage of where that team is, a guy that won, what, nine times a couple of years ago, and we're going almost on the two-year anniversary of the last time he visited Victory Lane, anytime he feels like something maybe slipped through his fingers, this is Kevin Harvick that we heard. It's been a while, back when he was with Richard Childress Racing, mince no words, as you say, about his unhappiness with his pit crew. I know a lot of our listeners don't like that. My deal is, listen, if you haven't been paying attention, this is kind of who Kevin Harvick is when he gets around this kind of thing that's happening to him right now. Um, I wonder if this is a good weekend for them to be off and to regroup. But certainly, like I say, I think the, the clock is ticking here on Kevin Harvick, and we could be looking at a year where a guy that won nine times a couple of years ago isn't even in the playoffs. That's remarkable to me. I'll submit this. When you talk about track house racing and, and asking if they're an underdog, I would I would put Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers in underdog status right now by them not performing like they performed in 20. Pete mentions the second year anniversary, the two year anniversary. That's at the Bristol night race. That's in September. I mean, we're close to being two years without a Kevin Harvick win. They've been trying. I mean, it's not because of lack of effort. They always put in the effort. I mean, that's what they do. Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick have not forgotten how to win races. Once they get themselves sorted out, and I think they will get themselves sorted out, I think that they will be back to victory lane. The question is, will that be before the playoffs or after the playoffs begin? But I would almost I would almost submit that perhaps maybe Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers have achieved um, underdog status, and, and they are the ones that perhaps maybe could be viewed as such when they get their next win. Yeah, I think the, the, the bigger issue in this sense is just looking at Stuart Haas racing overall. And obviously Chase Briscoe has his win at, at Phoenix, but the rest of the cars, I mean, Eric Almarola is on the cutoff line. But let, let's be honest that realistically, you expect that cut, cutoff line to move up. Somebody else is probably going to win. So, you know, he can't count on being in a, in a playoff position based off points. 
Harvick's in the same situation. You know, Cole Custer has just had a, a, a rotten season. Things just haven't gone well there for the most part. Even when these run well, something seems to happen. So, you know, I, I think you look at this as an organizational thing, not just at Kevin Harvick and Rodney Chillers. I think that's putting too much on them, although I'm sure that they would certainly, you know, understand and take that weight, uh, uh, put that on their shoulders. But I just really think you look at the Stuart Haas Racing Organization, this is not the same team that it once was a couple years ago even when Kevin Harvick was winning those nine wins. So uh, Stuart Haas Racing as, as an organization is an underdog, I would say. Bagman, well, you got to follow on that? Yeah, well, and we also brought this up in the vein of Toyota. Are things really as bad as they seem to be? Is there a larger issue? Chevrolet clearly has their affairs in order. I mean, let's be honest about it. I mean, Hendrick Motorsports and Trackhouse Racing, look at their successes. Look at the successes of the Bowtie Brigade. But how much of the challenges or the perceived challenges that Stuart Haas Racing is having is perhaps maybe a challenge that Ford is having as a whole? Like we asked a few weeks ago, what's going on with Toyotas? The Toyotas, where are they? Well, they've been there, but they've been inconsistent. Chevy perhaps maybe more consistent than others. But are the are the challenges of these race teams um, really a team challenge or a manufacturer challenge as maybe perhaps everyone is still trying to get on their footing with the implementation of the new race car? Yeah, well, you know, the Toyotas certainly were out to lunch, nor the really way to put it at Sonoma, which was really surprising. And, you know, that goes right to the winless driver situation, Pete. I mean, I'm I'm stunned, as I'm sure a lot of people, other people are as well. No wins for Martin Truex Jr., no wins for Christopher Bell. I mean, we just had the standings up there. Ryan Blaney being winless. I mean, I don't think he's going to miss the playoffs, but I'm sure that he's a little bit nervous that his teammates at Penske have wins, and, and he doesn't. Yeah, and when you think about earlier in the year, Blaney was leading a lot of laps. He just wasn't able to get to victory lane. But I'll double back to what the bagman said there about to- Toyota. You know, when you look at the wins that they've gotten, and again, all wins are good, I get it, but the fact that Denny Hamlin won that race at Richmond and he did it through pit strategy, didn't run away from the field. He won the race at Charlotte, the Coke 600, and Kyle Busch won the race. Then you just dovetail to the Martin Truex Jr. discussion. The Truex Jr. discussion is even deeper because the question becomes, and it has been, what's Martin Truex going to do after the season? Is he going to retire? So those questions start to come in. When you don't have a good run, when you don't have a good finish, does that sort of accelerate Martin's thought process about, you know what, maybe I'm going to get out of here at the end of this year? So, And we've heard from lots of drivers. Joey Logano, who's with us a lot on the morning drive, has said, when you have things that are happening outside of the cockpit of the race car and you try to compartmentalize what you're doing while all that other stuff's going around, I don't care who you are, guys. I think that gets into sort of the psyche of what's going on with these race teams. And so the Truex Jr. story, I think, is a little bit different because Harvick's going to be there for next year. I don't know about Martin Truex Jr. in the 19 team. You know, I'll tell you what, you, you know, I don't worry about Ryan Blaney making the playoffs or winning a race. I think that's going to happen. I think one guy that I'm really intrigued about is Christopher Bell at Joe Gibbs Racing. There's a guy, again, I know you talk about Toyota being up and down, but he certainly had speed. And I think at times he maybe had a little bit more speed than some of his teammates this year. It's just that other things have not worked out well. They've had some struggles on, on pit road. I think in the first 12 races, they had five different pit crew lineups and trying to find the right, right uh, combination. Again, that's a lot of teams are doing that and having some struggles with it. But I really like some of the things that I've seen out of Christopher Bell this year. If they can put together a full race, uh, I think they can win a race. And, and quite frankly, look, 10 races to go before the playoffs. You know, and we talked about, you know, nobody has more than 13 playoff points. You get a couple wins or somehow get, you know, go on a streak and get three wins. 
hey, you're one of the leaders or one of the favorites going into the playoffs. I think there's still time for a Christopher Bell or even somebody else like that to become a favorite because we don't have a favorite right now. Whereas last year, I'd say we were probably talking about Martin Truex Jr. since he'd won at Phoenix, he won at Do- Do- um, Darlington, and he won at Martinsville. And everybody was saying, well, you know, put, put Martin Truex Jr. into Phoenix. I don't even think I could put anybody in, in the four. And, and look, a guy like Christopher Bell could be one of those guys who ends up there at the end of the year. Yeah, still a lot to be uh, discovered here over these next 20 races as NASCAR and NBC picks up the Cup Series schedule. Off to a great start here with our media panel on things that have happened so far in the 2022 Cup Series season. When we come back, more with Mike and Pete on what we think is to come in the 2022 season. So, life in the fast lane with Austin Dillon starting next Thursday on USA. Austin Dillon actually also going to be on Motormouths next Wednesday as well. So, a lot coming up on Motorsports on NBC. Here's what else you can see here. Uh, Peacock will have Nitro Rallycross Saturday, Sunday. We'll have uh, Ray Evernham as the guest on the Dale Jr. Download. Uh, We've got MotoGP in Germany on Sunday and in the Netherlands next week. And uh, Nashville, of course, we've already been talking about NASCAR coming back on NASCAR NBC next week, Nashville Super Speedway, and the Endurance Cup in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship continues with Watkins Glen International. That's always also next week. So we're back here, Mike Bagley, Pete Pistoni, along with Dustin Long. And uh, we were just talking about what we've seen in the 2022 season. Guys, I know this narrative gets tired, but we have to talk about it this year because it really feels like this could be the first season when we see more than 16 winners uh, in the regular season. I know that it's, it's a tired topic, but it really feels like 10 races to go here with NASCAR and NBC in the regular season. Could this be the year, Pete, that we finally see more than 16 winners? Well, first of all, you're going to get the bagman's uh, blood pressure up with this conversation, mate. But I I guess it could be, but I'm still very skeptical about it because I think there's going to be more doubling up here in the next 10 races to the point where I'm not sure we're going to get more race winners than playoff positions. And this came up on the show this morning. There seems to be a big sentiment from the fan base out there that they want this. And I asked, Mike asked, why is it? And in my opinion... Again, I'm not looking down my nose at people when I say this. I think fans just want chaos. I think they want this craziness of, if, wow, you have more winners than you got playoff spots and the whole win if you're in thing that we've been talking about since the Daytona 500 doesn't apply because there is somebody on the outside looking in. I get where the fans are coming from, but as I sit here and we've all been doing this for a while, I'm still not sold we're going to get more winners than playoff spots by the time we get to Daytona in August. Bagman, I know well, you love talking about this, which is why I went to start with Pete. <laughs> Thank, you for allow- Thank you for allowing me to jump in there. Look, this, I mean, I would say, I would agree with Nate in that this is probably the closest we've been. Um, I'm not there yet. I need a couple more wins. I need like three more wins before I get there. Now, we've got 10 races. We've got four open spots. Because as we talked about this morning, and, 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 we, and we heard from people that basically say we love the chaos. My thing is, is that as we sit right now, and as we look at the playoff grid right now, that first driver that would be out would be your Daytona 500 champion. Are we ready to have that conversation? Because it's been our experience in the past that that conversation will probably lead to we need to change the playoff standings or we need to change the playoff format and we need to change how we crown this. And we need to change how we do this. And that's the last thing I think that we need if we get to that point. And if that chaos ensues, then, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with the system. 
this would be an anomaly. You know, Dustin mentioned a few moments ago about going on a streak and winning, you know, two or three races. I don't know if that's possible based on what we've seen so far. I'm looking and predicting that some of these first-time winners will get their second or the, you know, the, the, the two-time winners get their third. I'm waiting for the abundance of wins to come in one direction. I, I don't know. While, yes, we have a lot of drivers that have not won races for the first time this year. Uh, I don't know, though, if we can get as many to complete those four positions. But the numbers say that it is possible with 10 races to go in the regular season. I just I just don't like the fact that we want we're trying to will something in to happen because of chaos. You know what I'm saying? So uh, because then chaos would ensue if this were to happen. We haven't had this challenge to deal with, but uh, our phone lines will be double reinforced when it happens, because I'm sure there will be plenty of thoughts to thoughts to share on that. Absolutely. Well, well, just to raise Bagman's blood pressure, I'll, I'll just I'll just say, yes, there <laughs> oh, will be more than four different winners. Matter of fact, there will be five different winners. Half the, of the remaining 10 races will be won by somebody that needs to get a win. Somebody without a win will will miss the playoffs. So take that back. But yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, and seriously, here's the one of the things I think is so interesting. A couple of things kind of come to mind is I remember talking to Martin Truex Jr. before the season, and he talked about just, you know, with the uncertainties this year and the unknowns, he said, look, there's going to be so many different storylines this year because the team's going to be up, and then next week they're going to be down. Up, down, up, down. You're going to have that throughout a uh, good part of the season. And, and I, I, a perfect example of that is go look at what Joey Logano did earlier this season. Remember at Dover, he, he couldn't get out of anybody's way, and he finished 29th, four laps off the leaders well what happens is the next week he goes and wins the pole leads the most laps and wins at darlington so look if somebody doesn't have a win at this point um you know what they have a bad week there's still hope the next week and hope's a dangerous thing for anybody any athlete any team and so you know what mike i'll just uh just to kind of <laughs> grind your gears a little bit more again i'm All not right. going to say four i'm going to say five and just like Great. chaos theory Great. is live and, and just living it good, living the good life in NASCAR. All right, this I'm, is coming I'm gonna from a guy here. that wanted Le Mans style starts. He wanted people to run to the cars before we start the race. <laughs> I got to work with him every morning, Dustin. So pipe it down over there, will you? Jeez. All right, yeah. All right, I'm gonna step in here as mediator, despite my colleagues' uh, attempts here to stir things up. I'm gonna lower the temperature here a little bit, but I want to still talk about something people love talking about, which is silly season. Dustin just mentioned Martin Truex Jr. Pete, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, we'll, we'll start with you, your thoughts on this. Uh, is he coming back next year? Uh, and, you know, beyond just Martin Truex Jr. kind of mulling his future and sounding like very openly he's kind of wrestling with this decision on if he races beyond 2022, we, we still don't know where Kyle Busch is racing for next year. I mean, we think it's going to be Joe Gibbs racing, but uh, he's not signed. We just heard from Ty Norris that uh, Daniel Suarez likely will return to track house. But... The 10 car is still out there. So, Pete, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on all of those things that are happening around the silly season conversation. Well, first of all, I'll start with Suarez. Trackhouse, if they don't re-sign Suarez, they're going to make a huge mistake. I, I got a feeling that's going to happen. But, guys, when I listen to Martin Truex talk, and he's been on our channel, I saw him over the weekend talking to Fox. Every time I listen to him, and I'm not trying to read anything into it, I'm just listening, it's, he's talking more in the past tense than I think he's ever had. he ever has. I think he's done. I think he's going to step away. Uh, and, you know, he'll be remembered as a champion. He's a Hall of Famer, all that stuff. I, it, you know, personally, I, I like having Martin around. I hope he stays, but I want him to do the thing that's right for him. I think he's done. So then the question becomes who goes in the 19 car? Well, Joe Gibbs said a couple of weeks ago, 
Ty Gibbs, who everybody thinks is going to just kind of graduate up, he'd like to keep Ty in the Xfinity Series for a second year. I get that. But if Martin Truex Jr. is stepping away, then I do think that Ty Gibbs gets thrown into the deep end of the pool. And I do think he's going to be the guy in the 19 team next year. In terms of the 10 car, it makes kind of sense that Ryan Priest is sort of on the periphery there for Stuart Haas Racing. Maybe he'd step in, but I think the linchpin there would be obviously sponsorship. If Smithfield stays and they're on the 10 and they like Ryan Priest, maybe that becomes <laughs> sort of an easy move there. But I think Truex Jr. is going to retire. I think Suarez will stay at track house. I think the kind of the all bets are off right now about what Stuart House Racing does in the 10 car. Normally, Bag when man, you have an you athlete, now, normally when you have an athlete that starts throwing this out this soon in the season, we're not even halfway yet, that that's that's probably going to gain a lot of consideration. And let's be honest, he's not he's not been performing like we've been used to seeing Martin Truex Jr. performing. Will he see this as as the convenient way to say, you know what? I think we've reached the end of the road, and I'm just going to go off, and I'm going to do my own thing now. Uh, I, I would say that while I don't know, I would say that probably he's leaning in that direction. It wouldn't surprise me if he if he stepped away at the end of this year. But in my opinion, it does produce a conundrum for Ty Gibbs. Pete mentioned that that perhaps maybe you know Ty Gibbs will move on to the Cup Series, and I do see that happening. But in my opinion, that young man does need to stay in the Xfinity Series, or else, in my opinion, he's Daniel Suarez 2.0. Remember when Suarez got the call to replace Carl Edwards in his abrupt retirement, um, and then all of a sudden Daniel was making plans to go Xfinity racing? Boom, they put him in the cup car, and I think Daniel went into that cup car before he was ready. You know, two or three years, preferably like three years, I think is the perfect shelf life for a developing cup driver in the Xfinity Series. I don't think Ty is ready. So if you keep Ty in the Xfinity series and Martin goes, who do you put in the 19? And then the following year when Ty is ready, what do you do? Do you punt Chris Bell out of the 20 and make room for Ty? Does Kyle stay, which I'm hearing it's all but a done deal. They've got some matters to tend to. But you then get into the ripple effect of what happens to Ty. Do you move him now and maybe stun his growth a little bit? Or do you let him continue to grow in the Xfinity Series? And then what do you do with him after that? That's, yeah. to me, the so biggest many, question there. Yeah. So many drivers and teams to follow there. So many things to keep track of. So many phone calls that you'll be taking on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Mike, Pete, thanks for being here. Really enjoyed your visit to NASCAR America Motormouths. And when we come back, Dustin and I had a chance to talk to Travis Pastrana Nitro Rally Cross champion. He'll tell us about season two of that series on Peacock. Travis Pastrana, who joins us now from the United Kingdom. Travis, thanks for being here and staying up late and uh, joining us here on NASCAR America Motormouth. So big news for Nitro Rally Cross. You're expanded to 10 races globally this season. Electric car, supercar as well. Tell us about what's new for the series in season two. No, it's it's absolutely wild. I mean, we have a you know, former F1 uh, world champion Jensen Button jump in. Uh, he's sharing a seat with uh, Chris Meek going back and forth, who's you know one of the top rally drivers in the world. You've got uh, a lot of the returning uh, turning names from last year uh, working with uh, with Subaru for basically like an east-west uh, shootout, if you will, if you're referring to like Supercross, but doing a European championship for the, uh, the non-electric cars and a U.S. championship that all comes together in Las Vegas for a finale. Uh, it's going to be wild. Um, European, the track's... We keep them a little bit more traditional rallycross, but then we come back to America, and this year is going to be even bigger and crazier and uh, <laughs> more entertaining for sure for uh, for the fans and a little scarier for the drivers. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Travis, tell us a little bit about these cars, because I feel awful driving in here with my car, because it's like, my car can't do that. I want one of these cars. I want to be able to do something <laughs> like this. So tell us a little bit about these cars and the crazy things that you guys are doing in it. Well, they call them the supercars. The rally cars are, um, you know, zero to 60 in 1.8 seconds. Uh, the biggest jump that we had last year, I think, was Glen Helen, where the gap, so we jumped over under jump, where uh, the Joker lap, they call it, where it's a little bit longer. They actually, the cars cross underneath of the other cars that are doing the main lap so we had a uh, we had actually a three three-way cars over top of each other all jumped the two were jumping over uh the one was going under uh it was 160 feet to where the guys were landing um it was absolutely awesome now this year we're doing an electric uh, class called group e uh similar to what the group b used to be for rally which was just absolutely insane way too much horsepower to know what to deal with uh before the regulations uh, in the late 80s kicked in and said it was too fast well, that's what we went back to with the electric. We have a uh, zero to 60 in 1.3 seconds with electric beasts. Um, we can't even get the power down. We have wider tires, more traction. Yokohama's jumping in. Like everyone's trying to get us enough, basically rubber to put down on this track so that we don't just fry these tires straight off the electric cars. Uh, it's going to be a handful, but uh, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, we definitely are as well. Again, it's going to be on Peacock this year, second straight year. Uh, obviously, Travis, you're an international star, and you have a lot of fans, and some of them have called into the show today to talk to you. And we're going to start with Raymond oh. <laughs> joining NASCAR America Motor Mouths to talk to Travis Pastrana. Go ahead, Raymond. Hey, guys. Hey, Travis. Uh, Travis, you've been competing in Rallycross for a long time now in many different series, and it's always fun to watch. What have you learned from competing in past series that you hope to apply to Nitro Rallycross and turn into a greater success? Uh, no, thanks. That's an awesome question. I mean, it, it's really cool right now that we have, you know, like Kyle Busch jumped into the Phoenix round last year, and then uh, Chase Elliott jumped into the last round of Florida. Uh, Logano has been uh, been wanting to come out, and it's it, it's really neat right now, especially with the electric series, because I mean, you know, NASCAR doesn't have a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of time off, but uh, you know, even looking at some of the F1 and IndyCar drivers, uh, it's kind of why we did our season a little bit later in the year, especially for the U.S. and the North America rounds, uh, is to get as many of these drivers as possible just to jump in and rally's kind of cool because you know it's you got a little bit of everything there's uh some sections that a guy like scott speed with kind of f1 nascar background uh comes in and, and he'll kill us on and then we got other sections that's uh more dirt uh background where um you know some of the guys even from off-road truck racing are, are doing exceptionally well and and kind of picking up learning how to fly the motocrossers have a huge uh, advantage coming in first couple rounds but now even the you know, even the traditional kind of racers are picking up, you know, how to fly the car, how to keep the nose up. Uh, watching Kyle Busch, you know, Kyle's one of, one of, if not the greatest drivers in the world. And uh, him flying the car for the first couple of times was pretty funny. Uh, and, and, you know, just because he hadn't flown anything before, but uh, it didn't take him long. And, and it, it's a cool sport because you can really get the best of everyone. But, you know, the biggest thing is just having something live on Peacock. Anyone can come and they can stream it. It's really, really cool for us. Um, all my you know friends and family can can watch it and just trying to get better and better coverage as we go on we get the drone pilots are back for this year um, at every round except for the first round England didn't like a drone pilot flying that close to all the bands but uh, uh we can get away with a lot more stuff uh in North America so that's always some good footage uh, to watch from so Travis you mentioned some of the drivers that uh you know have done it uh, from the NASCAR world some of the people that you've talked to who's like on your wish list for this season and also from beyond the NASCAR world as you reference the IndyCar F1 and some other series Ah uh, I mean 
it's just been been really neat to get such a wide variety of, of people. Um, you know, definitely a lot of NASCAR drivers have been showing interest, but even, um, you know, we go to a Canadian round, we got a snow round. I mean, it's actually two ice rounds. We're going to have 100-foot jumps built on ice uh, in Canada. Uh, so definitely trying to get, like, uh, Hinchcliffe to come out, uh, IndyCar guys. Uh, some guys would have some personality, like uh, Connor Daly, I think would be awesome. He can drive anything. Uh, Alexander Rossi from Indy as well. Um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty wild to see how good the NASCAR guys are. And I mean, for Kyle Busch to get fourth in his first round, it kind of put us to shame. It was a, a little bit embarrassing to have both of those guys qualify for the main event uh, with him and Chase Elliott. But, you know, these guys drive all the time. And I, I tell everyone they're the most underrated drivers in the world. And uh, it'd be awesome to have, you know, I think Logano, uh, just from my time when I was at Roush, he was... I still say that the best driver that I've ever seen when he just drives anything, he can get in anything and just absolutely crush it. Um, you know, the, the NASCAR champion from last year, also everyone's saying, that, uh, even Kyle Busch said he's the best, um, uh, probably the best pavement driver, uh, in the world. The best, sorry, all around driver that, that happens to be on pavement, but, uh, you know, with the dirt car stuff, uh, with Larson, he's, he's just amazing. So uh, I think wish list would be Logano and Larson coming out this year. Well, uh, we're definitely looking forward to seeing all that crossover, Travis, and we appreciate you uh, putting on this series. Again, you can catch it on Peacock, Peacock starting this weekend from the United Kingdom, also going to Sweden, Finland, Saudi Arabia, Canada, all over the world. Uh, you can catch Travis Pastrana and, and the U.S. Rally Cross. And, the Travis, US. Yeah, and the U.S. And, and ending here. Yeah, you can, you can catch it here as well. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Travis. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, guys. So I just made a note here, Dustin. Uh, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano at Nashville next week. We will have to tell them that Travis Pastrana has requested their presence. Hey, and that wouldn't it be something to see those guys in those cars. I'm, I'm look, I'm looking forward to next week at Nashville, but that would be fun to see those guys in with racing with Travis down the road. All right, so Nashville Super Speedway next week. You can catch it Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern, June 26th on NBC. That's all the time we have. We'll see you next week on NASCAR America Motormouths.